Snoopy Dogg and Dr. Dre is at the dope. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Financial Emancipation Podcast. I'm your host, Malik Branch, and this is a podcast discussing the ways in which you can walk towards your financial emancipation, getting free from the burden of your finances. That little intro, small snippet, um, was just in honor of the fact that today, um, which is mm, April 20th, if you can believe it, um, on all platforms, The Chronic, the classic album by Dr. Dre, which was released in 1992, um, was actually um, released on streaming platforms today. It had never been able to be streamed um, in all this time, and there was some legal stuff going on in the background. Um, but I, as a title subscriber, I was able to get it yesterday. Um, and I spent the whole day yesterday kind of like <clears throat> listening and and um, reminiscing um, and discussing that in 1992, when I was 11 going on 12, I really had no business listening to this, um, but it's still fun nonetheless. So I wanted to start with that um, just to lighten it up a little bit. And just to um, that intro to me is so amazing. It's, it's really a great way to kick off a classic song. And so I thought that would be fun, a fun way to begin the podcast today, um, specifically since we have so many things to talk about and things are so heavy right now. I figured a little bit of Dr. Dre and Snoop can't hurt. Right. Um, so if you if you have time, which you may um, and you're interested in kind of taking it back, The Chronic is now available for streaming on all platforms. Um, and it's it, it's an interesting album. I will say that I don't know if you're a hip hop fan, but if you are classic material and if you have the tolerance now as an adult that you may um have had when you were younger there's a lot of a lot of misogyny and cursing and all kinds of things that you know your brain can tolerate a little bit better when you're you know young um than possibly now so I just give that caveat but I loved it loved every minute of it and it was good it was a good fun way um to spend some time yesterday um, during this whole pandemic and being home and, you know, et cetera. The weekends can be challenging because you're so used to a weekend routine that includes doing things. And um, when you, if you're working from home, you know, once you're finished working during the week, you don't have anything like keeping you kind of distracted on the fact that you're home on the weekends. And so then it just becomes, well, what do you do? And I know for a lot of people um, that can kick in, the boredom can kick in, <clears throat> um, the the restlessness can kick in. So the weekend, you have to find your way. Um, so once I saw that the album was going to be released, I knew I was going outside on Sunday because that is driving music. And so I was able to go out. I actually went to Trader Joe's and I was able to get my groceries. I hadn't been there in a few weeks because the last time I went, I stood in a line on the rain in the rain for over an hour and I wasn't doing that again. But this time I went back, it was sunny. It was warmer outside. It was a Sunday. I tried to go during the week one time. So it was a Sunday. I was calm. You know, I, I knew what to expect. And I figured, you know, I had time since it was just a nice sunny day outside. And I wanted to get some sun anyway. And so I did that. The line was probably like 40 minutes. I got everything I needed when I went in the store. It wasn't that bad. So I was able to do that and drive around, you know, and get that kind of energy of being outside without having to really be outside. Um, I was able to stop by and see my sister and drop off some groceries to her. And it's so funny because you see somebody and you're like, okay, but we still have to stand six feet apart. Like this, this is a really, it's a challenging thing on your mind, but it's good to see her and talk. So we stood outside and talked for a little while, give her some sun, give me some sun. So, and sun, it gives good energy. So if you have, when it's a good sunny days out and you have the place and space where you can go out and get some sun without having to interact with other people too much and keeping your social distance. Cause if you live in New York, Governor Cuomo's not playing with you 
and even Mayor de Blasio is now giving out $1,000 tickets for not social distancing. So, uh, yeah, don't do it. Just enjoy the sun in the most, you know, socially distancing way possible. So that is just like a little summary to kick off the podcast. So today's podcast is going to be information heavy. So if you're looking for information, today is the day. Um, you know, it's, it's very hard. I'm going to give this, um, say this as I begin the podcast. It's very hard for me during times like this where misinformation is key and people, and we all at some point fall susceptible to it because we're racing so fast to receive information because we can receive information so quickly. We have social media, we have, um, 24 hour cable news information is always there. Your phone is there. You can, you know, the news pops up, you get news alerts. And we don't really have the time to dig in a lot. So a lot of times we read headlines. We make, um, we take headlines to be fact. And, and you know, what people used to do with headlines was they would, they would do things to the headline in order to get you to read it. And that was for click purposes. That became a real big thing. And what happened is um, people got so busy, they don't even click anymore. They just read the headline. And so from a journalistic perspective, it's, it's malpractice the way people put up headlines because they're false. A lot of times the headline has nothing to do with what you would think the article is about. But again, that's a way that you used to be able to draw someone in to click on an article. And then they would click and find out that that was just a way to draw them in. What's happening now is that people aren't reading full articles. They're just reading headlines and they're making um, full assertions of fact based on headlines. Scary time is a sad time. Um, A lot of that comes from the fact that people don't understand or don't give any value to research or learning or anything like that um you know it's frightening how uninformed people are and I don't say that in like a righteous way um there's only like um you know Governor Cuomo had quoted this the other day um you know you're entitled everyone's entitled to their own opinion but not their own facts you know there is literally only one set of facts just like you know like there's literally only one way like you can have an opinion about a fact, but the fact is a fact. You know, 22 million people filed for unemployment in the last three months. That's a fact based on numbers that were released by the Department of Labor. Is it true? Is it also true that somebody at the Department of Labor could be manipulating those things? Yes. Um, that doesn't mean that the number that came out is not a fact. There's 22 million people are out of work. Um, and have filed for unemployment. You can choose to believe why they filed for unemployment. You can be- you can have a lot of thoughts about that, but there's a fact there. Um, forty over forty thousand people have died from COVID nineteen. Now that's a fact that's being released by the government and by the departments of health in the different cities and stuff. The forty thousand people are in fact dead. You can choose to believe that they did not die from COVID. That could be your choice. You would need facts to back that up. But for right now, the facts that are being shared with you are telling you that these people died from COVID. If you don't believe that, that's perfectly fine for you to not believe it. But for you to tell someone else that that's the case without actually having looked at the 40,000 death certificates or been a doctor, medical doctor, or know all of the cases, you can't then turn around and tell everybody that 40,000 people didn't die from COVID. You have no proof. So you can't dispute what is being delivered as fact without a counterfact. Again, 
these are things that we all learn in like middle school, high school. And then again, they get those skills get honed in college where you learn that. I mean, sometimes you learn it in your household. You know, you cannot just dispute something because you don't like it. You have to come with facts. When I was a kid and I would tell my father something, go get it, get a book, read it, find it. Tell me where it says that. I was explaining this to my sister. You know, I'm not anti um, conspiracy theories. I'm not anti them, right? People have conspiracy theories. They, they've been, they have been what circulates through this country for, since the beginning of time. But I, when I was in high school, my senior project in my first like government class that was leading to political science was, was that I had to take a, we had that we had the Kennedy was killed. President Kennedy was killed and we had to take a conspiracy theory or what was deemed to be a, a an alternate i won't even say conspiracy an alternate theory as to what happened to him right so the, the 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 main story was that this person came and just shot him and there was no real depth to the story he shot him in the head killed him boom every student was allowed to take an alternate story but it had to be one that you could back up with facts so it wasn't that we were against alternate theories we had to be able to take those alternate take our alternate theory and then go search for all the facts that supported our alternate theory and write a paper based on our alternate theory of what happened to President Kennedy. So I chose my alternate theory and I went and I found all these facts and I had to do all this research. This is in, I was in 12th grade. I was 16 years old, 12th grade. I had to go and find all these things. I had to research, I had to pull books. You know, the internet was still just coming in, but you still had to go to the library, research. I had to read like three different books on the different, on the theory that I chose and, and, and kind of put all the information out there. And he, you know, he would give it back to you. You had to really fully edit it. It had to be um, based on facts. You had to footnote everything. Where'd you get these information from, et cetera. So I learned in that period of time at 16 years old in school, it was that, it wasn't that you had to believe everything that was being said, but you had to be able to back it up with facts. I bring that up to say that during this period of time of COVID-19, this um, global pandemic, there's a lot of misinformation going around. And a lot of misinformation is going around about the actual disease, excuse me, the actual virus, how it got here, who's responsible, and who is getting sick and who is dying. Um, and all of that is, is, is what happens during a time. There's also a lot of uh, misinformation about the stimulus package that went out about what happens to your, to your, um, to your, to you getting the stimulus, like what happens when you get that check. There's a lot of misinformation going around and what truly is harmful is that misinformation is dangerous because people don't just take misinformation and listen to it. They act on it. And so, you know, if you don't, and again, we talked about this in the last episode, all of this information about, you know, about what, whether or not you have to pay your rent, whether or not you have to pay your mortgage, um, how much, how much you're going to get in the stimulus check, when do you have to pay the money? When is the money alone? Do you have to pay it back, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a whole lot to who can take it, who like what all, there's a lot of information out there and a lot of misinformation out there. Misinformation causes chaos. Some people intentionally distribute misinformation for the sole purpose of, of creating chaos, but that's not the platform we have here. And that's not what we do here. And so um, it's really important to get, to not only take and listen to information, but then go do your own research about it and research in reputable, reputable places, you know, Social media is full of sites of people who talk and say things. And I'm, for the life of me, don't understand where people get 
credibility where there is none. You know, I would never tell you guys to listen to me about financial, my financial advice without first disclosing to you my credentials. Who am I to speak on this? Right? Yet and still, I see people all over the internet speaking on, people who ain't never been to a medical school speaking on the vaccination, speaking on the, the the virus, speaking on how people are recovering, speaking of what goes on death certificates. I'm like, I don't understand. Did, did I miss the part where you became an MD, a scientist, a mortuary scientist, a, 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 a person who works in a morgue? Like, where did this come from? But people become experts. I, I speak about what I know. I speak about what I know. I have background credentials, a career, education certifications that make me very much able to speak to how you manage money if i got on here and started talking to y'all about science you might want to be like hey girl how because i could tell you this i did not do that well in science classes in college or high school so i don't have to profess myself to be a scientist um i'm not i'm not an economist and so that's why i quote people who are (laughs) because i'm not but I understand how the economy works because I've been educated. I've taken more than one econ class. I understand how economics works, micro, macro, the whole deal, right? So there are things that are qualifications. What qualifies you to speak on a topic? And people need to be qualified. And when you're not qualified, you have to shut up. Or disclose that it's your opinion. But do not speak as if you're an expert when you're not qualified. There's that. That's just a little note. Okay, so we're going to talk. This is information I've ranted for long enough. I usually leave the rants for the end of the show, but we had to kick it off with the beginning with a little bit of ranting because I'm a little frustrated because this is a very dangerous time for us, both health-wise and economically, and I think we need to have information that is true, right? And we need people to kind of take their opinions out of it and let's just deal with the facts because, again, as this continues to be the theme for the last three or four episodes, we're in a crisis, and a crisis is a health crisis and it is a economic crisis. Okay, so what are we talking about today? So one of the things that I want to kind of take us back just a step is back to the Great Recession. People call it a Great Recession. It was called the Great Recession at the time because um, people were very reluctant to call it a depression. Um, but it was had to be described that it was worse than any other recession we had experienced. So they called it the Great Recession. Um, you know, depressions that we had, we had a depression and I don't think anybody wanted to, to kind of categorize it that way. So just to some factual um, information, the great recession began in December, officially began in December of 2007. So if you can recall, um, the, the 2008 presidential campaign, um, was really heavily weighed down and kind of took a turn, if you can recall, after the, the primaries were over and Barack Obama was selected as the candidate for the Democrats and John McCain was selected as the candidate for the Republicans. Right around, I want to say September of that year, which at that point was September of 2008, the what had happened, what had begun to began, excuse me, uh, in December of 20, 2007, when the subprime mortgage um, loan stuff started to collapse. The, the whole housing crisis began. To, the whole housing crisis began, and that whole bank financial part was beginning to collapse because they had built their business on a house of cards with these subprime, subprime mortgages. By the time we got to December, I'm sorry, September of 2008, 
it was really clear that the country was on the brink of collapse, economic collapse. George Bush was still president. Barack Obama and John McCain were both running for president. They both went to the White House. They both kind of suspended their campaigns to focus because they were both also sitting senators. They went um, to the White House. They went to try to figure out this economic um, issue, how the the government could pass a, a, um, a bill that would stop us from, stop would save the banks, stop the whole economy from collapsing, and um and and to pull us back off the brink of economics economic collapse it was thought at the time that barack obama handled it better than john mccain and it is thought historians believe that that is the moment where it turned where barack obama um was seen as the better leader during that time and and subsequently what 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 got him the election in november that great recession and i was just really quickly going through the history if you don't remember if you do remember this was a really tough time for us that, that Great Recession lasted for 18 months, technically. It lasted from December 2007 to June of 2009. That was 18 months of the actual Great Recession. Um, we went into a recovery period after that. That recovery period lasted until, um, really until May. Well, it, it really lasted. I think we we got through that period. The, I mean, the 18 months is basically designated as the recession period. At that time, unemployment peaked at 10% in December of, two, I'm sorry, of, in October of 2009. So October of 2009, unemployment was at its highest that it would be throughout this Great Recession at 10%. Um, we did not see unemployment get back down to a normal, which is pre-Great Recession, until May of 2016. So that was a really extensive period, seven years <clears throat> of time it took to kind of grow the economy back to where unemployment was below the, the rate it was, which was 4.7%. It was below that. It took seven years to get back down to that. So my point in telling all you this information is because this these things last a long time. So like I said, the technical Great Recession was 18 months. 18 months seems like it's not that long, except this started in, really started in 2007 and didn't fully end end until about 2014 so really long time of of just economic turmoil struggles of economic growth rebuilding an economy rebuilding different industries the housing industry took a long time to rebound and literally had just begun to rebound in the last couple of years um you know so it was it takes a long time for a country to rebound from a recession as great as the one that we had just experienced in 2007, 2008, 2009, where unemployment peaked at 10%. That was a gradual recession. The recession came in gradually. It did not come in as like, a, like this is. It came in very gradually because that's what happens. You know, things, people over leverage. It's the same thing that causes problems in your finances at home. It's the same thing that causes problems in government finances. And in the in economics period, companies begin to see prosperous profits they over leverage something happens the bubble burst and then it's all shit show from there and that's what happened greed is what led to that recession greed on the parts of banks who decided they were going to truly um put profits over people gave out janky mortgages to people and what i always try to remind people is that banks do not profit or benefit from from when you foreclose on your loan they do not want houses they want people in houses paying really high interest rates so that they can make money houses property banks don't want that so that's why when you saw the recession all that foreclosures banks had houses but they didn't need because they had no one to sell it to 
because everything was beginning to collapse underneath. So trust me, the bank don't want your house. They just want you to live in your house and pay your mortgage, which is the interest, which is how they make money. Okay, so that recession lasted for a long time. Um, again, technically 18 months. And so if we were to say that right now through the, in the last three months, the, um, the, the, we have, the Department of Labor has reported that 22 million people have filed for unemployment. Filing for unemployment now has been extended and expanded as far as your job goes, as far as the causes or the reasons you can file for unemployment has expanded underneath this health crisis because there are extra categories that have been added in order to capture people who may not have qualified for unemployment before. It was very strict before when you would try to file for unemployment, you had to have been laid off or fired. If you quit your job, you cannot get unemployment prior to this crisis. Now, if you quit your job, there are certain caveats and reasons why you could quit your job that would make you eligible for unemployment. So there is a sector of the 22 million because here, see, see, this is where you could take a fact and then you could break it down and get to a real, like a, a more, a more detailed fact. There are portions of the 22 million of people who filed for unemployment who did not in fact lose their jobs. I mean, their job did not disappear. It's the fact that they needed to file for unemployment for either health reasons or for child care reasons, because across the country, schools are closed. The government understood that, meaning that people cannot go to work if their children do not have child care. And so you may be a person who did not lose your job. Your job can still be there, which matters when we're talking about the economy. But you as, an imper- as a person could not continue to go to your job because you had to be a caretaker for someone who was ill with COVID-19 or you yourself were ill or you had children who you have to be a caretaker of and schools are closed. So you're therefore you're unable to work. Now, those those are two different things when you think about the number 22 million. When people say 22 million jobs are lost, we have to understand that there is a portion of those people in that group who did not lose their jobs, meaning their jobs did not disappear. They're unable to go to their jobs. So what that number is, I could do the math on, I could do the calculation, but I did not do it. But there's a portion of that. So we know that while there's 22 million new unemployment filings in the last three months, some portion of that 22 million million are people who, if schools open tomorrow, could go back to work and that number would be decreased. Okay? So yes, 22 million is a large number. Some portion of that is that. But then you're still left with a large number of people who's lost their jobs. You're talking about industries that have been decimated. You're talking about restaurants, travel, um, retail. Retail is really being hit hard because the same people who have jobs in retail are not the same people who ship out your items when you order online. Totally different set of people. So the people who are in the store when you go and ask and they help you and fold the clothes and stuff, those people are out of a job in every retail sector except for groceries. So that's a whole section of people who are out of work. Um, and then you have people who are out of work in child care itself. You have all people who care for children, after school programs, um, people who do daycares, nannies, things like that, all out of work. People who do um, cleaning may be out of work if they do personal people, like cleaning in personal homes, whereas if they do cleaning in businesses, they may still be working. But maybe not because businesses have shut down. So there's a whole sector of people who are out of work. That 22 million is a is a is is I'm sure on point. There's a lot, like I said, there's a section of those people whose jobs did not disappear. But for the purpose of this conversation, people are out of work and have filed for unemployment. Okay, 22 million is a very large number. Unemployment benefits from the federal government um, have have included now an additional $600. Um, for you to collect on top of what your state will provide in unemployment. Again, fact. 
So if you are a person who lives in the state of New York, the maximum for unemployment is $450 a week. Now you are able to, um, if, you are, if you're eligible for the maximum, you get the $450 a week and additionally you get $600. So you could be bringing home $1,000 a week unemployed in the state of New York right now. For some people, that is not enough. For some people, that's more than enough. That's just based on what you earn every, every, every week or whatever in your current job. $4,000 a month you could be bringing home to take care of your family during this period of time. That has, that has been designated until July. Please keep that in mind. I know we are looking at the calendar and we don't understand what's kind of going on, but it is mid-April. It is almost the end of April. April has 10 days left. That means as soon as we blink, we're going to be in May. May is right before June, then July, and come July 31st, the $600 additionally is over. Now, depending on where the economy is, depending on where things are going, there's a possibility that that can be extended. I just want to remind everybody that we are in an election year and it is very contentious in, in the federal government and what will and will not be passed can be a juggle. We don't really know because it depends on who's trying to do what and it, because the politics are very heavily involved. So right now, for planning purposes, we have to plan for what we know. And right now we know the additional $600 in unemployment benefits are going to be there until July 31st. So the month of July, you will collect the extra $600 per week. Well, let's plan for that. If you are someone who's unemployed, plan or you're receiving some sort of unemployed be unemployment benefits, plan for July because you don't, again, it's very unknown, but you have to plan as if. So if you are looking at this and thinking that you're going to be good, um, or, or if you're a person who's earning more now than you were when you were working or close to it, you can still kind of participate in a lot of the savings things that we talked about because you want to get your emergency fund going because there is a chance that by the time we get to July, that $600 will not be um, extended. And then you'll just be getting the basic for your state, which varies by state. And if you were good off of $1,000 a week, I'm sure that $400 a week, you will not be good. So take that opportunity, save, 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 right? That's a big portion of that. Again, I mentioned this again for many people who have government-backed student loans. That interest on student loans has been suspended until September 30th, 2020. September 30th is even longer away than July 31st. So that's a good thing, which means you have several months where you can pay on the principal of your student loans. Um, it's very important because the student loan structure is a crime. Government student loan structure is a crime. And the amount of interest that they charge is higher than most people pay on interest on a car or a home. It is a crime. Separate conversation, but it is a crime. So therefore, you are stuck in your student loans. You never Because the, the thing that they, way they structure it is that you pay towards the interest first. And the interest is usually very high. And so you are never really getting to the principal. So this is a, a ideal time to get to the principal of your student loans. So for myself, I paid $1,000 towards my student loan um, just this week. And I always pay more because I'm trying to pay, I'm trying aggressively to pay it down. So once this, the interest was suspended, the they notified me that I was paid ahead, right? You're paid ahead. You don't have to pay. They think I'm stupid. They think I'm not going to pay. I said, oh, no, no, I'm going to keep paying ahead because I know now I'm paying towards my principal. So I paid $1,000 um, on that. And I'm going to continue to pay. Every time I find any corner of money, I'm going to say that I could be saving um, I'm going to put that towards the student loan debt because I really want to see that number come down um, because I haven't been in school in a very long time and I'm sick of paying student loans on it. If you can't tell, I don't like student loans. They're a scam. I feel the same way about cable, but that's another conversation. Um, so with the 22 million people unemployed, 
the, the opportunities to take advantage of things like the student loan debt pay the interest being there um talking to your creditors talking to everyone about um ways in which you can save money or defer payments and things like that the length of recessions we don't know how long they're going to be and the, the other thing that we have to understand is that some of these jobs that have been eliminated um right now or um have people have lost their jobs some of those jobs are not coming back and you have to think long and hard about whether you're a person who has a job that may not be coming back because it, it, it's it's very possible that you could have that and so if you're a person who may have a job that's not coming back this is a good time to start thinking about how you're going to move forward um once all of the kind of benefits and things that are being put into the economy to kind of hold us together are going to are, are gone how you're going to bounce back or if you need a new skill if this is the time we should start take, taking some online classes and things like that because some jobs just simply are not going to come back remember companies capitalism companies are always going to do what's best for the bottom line and what they saw during this period is that all the overhead they pay is not best for their bottom line so you best believe that they're going to be prepared for another situation like this by limiting overhead tremendously and that if you are part of overhead you could find yourself unemployed extensively and permanently meaning your job could be eliminated um and and that's something that could truly happen so you want to prepare for that um, this is a big time for people to understand um, government and government structure. So I know there's a lot of talk about the stimulus check. People were getting their $1,200 stimulus checks. You know, I, I don't, I, I was a person who was a victim of not reading all of the information about the stimulus checks um, because I read it the way that they had written it. I read it that you would have to kind of, that it would be something that was kind of being paid back. Everyone keeps saying it's not. I've read many, several articles in Forbes where they say it's not. I can't speak to the fact that I truly believe that because I, I know how the government works as far as tax collections go. And we have had stimulus before and we've had stimulus before that are clean. They just give you the check. You know, it ain't, it, you don't have to claim it nowhere. You don't have to get no credit nowhere. Nothing like that. They just sent out a check. So I'm very skeptical of the fact that this is tied to a tax credit later on. I'm very skeptical about that. And I know that they're saying that, but something in me, as far as having watched this historically, is very skeptical of that. So I'm not going to, I'm going to tell you the fact is, because again, we speak in facts. The fact is that from everything that I've read, this is not something that you have to pay back as it reads now. Now, my, now I'm going to insert for you. This is my opinion. My opinion is the government going to find a way to get that money back. That's my opinion. Okay. Facts though, check is yours, clean and free. So what are you doing with your stimulus check? Listen, I'm not here to talk about and shame anybody for what they're doing with their stimulus check. It's supposed to stimulate the economy. So technically, if you give they give you $1,200 and you don't spend it, it doesn't stimulate the economy. Um, buying, spending money on your rent and stuff like that does not stimulate the economy. Paying bills, savings, all the things that I would tell you to do do not stimulate the economy. The government's purpose of sending that out was so that you could, one, be limited in being, you know, cash flow issues and not being able to eat and stuff like that. But really, they want you to spend that money back into the economy because they gave you your money so you could take it and spend it back. Because always remember, anything you ever get from the government as far as tax credits and stimulus is your money that you already paid. Um, unless you're not a taxpayer. And there are people who are listening who aren't taxpayers. If you're a person who receives government assistance and you don't work, you're not a taxpayer. If you're a person who is on a, a, a fixed type of, um, you know, disability type income 
again, if you don't go to work every day and pay taxes, then you're not a person, you're not a tax base. And therefore, this is not your money. You're actually receiving other people's money. But in this instance, if you're getting a stimulus check, it's because you were someone who more than likely was someone who you earned and you filed taxes and therefore you got a stimulus check. They want you to stimulate the economy. There really isn't a way for you to do that. I mean, there's plenty of ways you can do that, but that's not what most people are going to do. <clears throat> and whatever you choose to do with that $1,200 is up to you. But just know that you had $1,200 in your hand at one point. Know that hopefully your your um your savings is, is stacked up. Hopefully you've paid down any debt that you have. And then whatever you choose to do with it after that is up to you. Um, it's $1,200. It's not like they gave you $12,000. I don't need to give you investment advice about $1,200. Um, it's, it's just, it's not, it's not, a, it's not that much money that you need to, that you need to be lectured on how to spend it, honestly. Um, and for most people it's already gone. Um, but the stimulus check is your money and government structure is important at this time because I hear a lot of people saying that, you know, the government, I saw some, again, people just don't have enough information, but people said, you know, I saw one conspiracy theory or whatever it was, which was saying, be mindful of a government that, um, is not laying off any of their own employees, but are doing damage to the private sector, which is making the private sector lay off employees. You know, we're in a health crisis, right? I think people, again, and I don't say this to be, no, I do say it to be shady. I shouldn't even lie. Too many people did not go to civics class. Too many people do not understand the function of the government. Too many people who are citizens, pay taxes, live in this country, live in this state, live in the city, and do not understand the functions of the government. When people say the government doesn't matter, it's because they truly have no understanding of what the government does. And if you can say during this period of time, like a COVID-19 time where people are dying and people are sick and there's a health crisis and the health crisis came from out of the country and et cetera, then you do not understand how government works. Even on the most pedestrian level, to understand that the government is functioning off of tax revenues. That's how the government gets it. That's the, how the entire government is funded from tax revenues. People work, pay taxes. That's how we fund the government. That's how you fund the local government, the state government, and the federal government. It's all funded by taxes. That's why it's a government of the people. At least it's supposed to be. Because we are people working and we are putting the money in so that the money can be redistributed. The idea is that individuals should not be responsible for everything that they need. And therefore, there's a government there. We pay, we put in a the pot. They figure out what we need based on what we say we need. And then they provide it. So everything from top to bottom, right? So you are a person who pays taxes. You pay if we go to war. You pay for our defense. Because honestly, if Iran decided they wanted to come over here on my block, I can't I can't defend myself. So I got to give my money to the government so they could defend, defend me and my people from Iran, right? Similarly, if someone comes to my house and, and wants to break into my house, I got to call 911. I need the police to come because I can't, you know, prosecute that. I can't I can't arrest that person. I can't do all that. So I got to pay my taxes so the cops could go. Right. And, and similarly, if, you know, there's, there's a pothole in my street, I can't go out there and, and pave it. So I need the government to come and take care of that. You know, the lights got to be on and, you know, all these things, the trees got to get cut and the garbage got to get picked up. And, you know, I got to if I had a kid, I got to send the kid to school and and, um, you know, the kid got to eat while they're there. And and, you know, there's extensive amounts of things, you know, then there's, then they have to figure out laws. Right. And rules and things. And so I got to pay for people to do that. That's what my taxes do is take care of things like that. Also, if you're poor and you don't have access to food, 
I, whoever, we all need to pay taxes because people should be able to eat. So the government needs to take care of those people who can't take care of themselves. If you're disabled, if you're handicapped, the government needs to take care of people who can't take care of themselves. If you're elderly, right? You should, you know, if you're retired and you can't no longer work, and you, but you're old, the government should take care of that. That's the function of the government. Now, what people believe the government should do and what the government does, but the function of government is extensive. I defend government a lot. I work in government. Feel what you want. But the government has a function. In this moment right now, we are seeing states, not just my state of New York, but many states, but I'll use the state of New York as an example. The state of New York has right now is facing a $10 billion budget gap. Okay, states are not like the feds. They cannot just carry debt and be like, oh, you know what, we, we in a hole because the feds is in a hole, but we the city, the states can't do that. Similarly, the city of New York is facing a $7 billion hole. The, the holes matter, right? If a budget does not have enough money, you know what that means? Services begin to get cut. Why do these, why are the government and the city facing these, these, these deficits is because there's not enough tax revenue coming in. Why is there not enough tax revenue? Because people are not working, people are not spending. So they're not paying their payroll taxes. They're not paying their, um, they're, they're, they're not paying their sales tax. They're not spending. They're not, they're not doing things that generate revenue for the city, meaning they're not, you know, getting licenses and all the fees and things that they get in order to generate revenue for the city and the state. Therefore, those entities are without money. So when they don't have money, they can't spend money and they spend money on things that you need. And so therefore, if they don't get the money that they need, they have to cut back on services. And so people talk about there aren't government layoffs happening. They're coming. Um, government employees will not, they will, they, will, they, will, they will shrink down. Before they lay off, they will shrink down. They will not hire. There will be, you'll be less. You might have gotten used to your trash getting picked up twice a week. There's a possibility you can go to once a week. Um, right. You might have gotten used to the fact that there are police every time you call the the rate come, they come in like two seconds. They might start coming in 20 minutes. All of these things are a result of there not being enough money there because there isn't enough money. And that is the beginning signs of a very bad, long and extensive recession when governments don't have the money, local governments. I'm not talking about the feds. The local governments, the states and the cities, when they don't have money and they have to start cutting back, when they have to cut back on their essential services, that's when people start to truly feel what a recession is going to look like. And that's when it starts to get longer, more extensive, because it takes governments a long time to bounce back because they can't bounce back until people bounce back. And it takes people, as we see in the last Great Recession, it took a very long time for people to rebound and bounce back from what was what was there. So. The function of government in this moment is really essential because government has to do these things even when there is no money. So we have to understand that right now government is swiping a card with that, that endlessly where there's nothing there, but they have to because they're responsible for things. So they have to make sure that people get paid. They got to make sure that the garbage still gets picked up. They got to make sure that, you know, the, the, the hospitals are still functioning. They have to do this stuff even though they don't have money. And so therefore, when it's time to balance this all out, they're going to start cutting things. You see this summer, all the, all the funding to camp in New York City has been cut. All the pools are going to be closed. And that's cut. All of these things, they had to make cuts in education. They're going to be making cuts in the police department, cuts in the fire department. These things have real impacts, not just for jobs, but for the way of life. And so recessions and economic downturns have true um, impacts on everybody. No matter what side, where you, where you fall in this. So what, what, what should you do? I know we're 40 minutes in and the question is what should you do right now? Everything that we've discussed in the prior episodes is what you should do on a personal level. You have to plan. 
You have to use this opportunity to save. You have to use this opportunity to pad your finances in a way. And the way you pad your finances is by paying down, paying off debt, not incurring any new debt. Resist every urge you see. I saw Neiman Marcus is going bankrupt. So I saw people on it. Oh, I can't wait for the sales. No, 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 no. Leave Neiman Markets and then Neiman Markups to go out of business on their own without your help. Do not, do not, do not waste your money on things like that right now. Because what I am trying to describe to you is a doomsday. This is going to be bad. I don't know what other way to say it. We've been through these type of economic downturns before. We have not been through one like this before. And and there, there's no point in history where you can describe where this many people have been swapped out of the workforce in the, in three months. There's no point in history where you can describe where <clears throat> the economy literally got shut off, just halted. That didn't even happen after 9-11. <clears throat> so... We are in a bind. We are going, this is going to be tough and hard. And all this conversation about opening up the economy would make it seem like if you just turn the switch back on, all of this stuff is going to come back. It's not how this works. Companies are in the hole. And the amount of money the government have given them is not even sufficient. It is going to be difficult. People are going, if, it's going to be very difficult. And I can't stress that enough because I want you to be prepared as much as you can be. Mentally prepared and also financially prepared. Right now is the time to readjust. Adjust those budgets. Slow down on the spending. Now listen, I know that there are things that we need to do in order to feel comfortable. I encourage you to do that. You know, this is the time if you do need to spend money besides on food, obviously, and paying your bills. Spend money and invest in things that will make your home more comfortable because guess what? Even when they quote unquote open back up, you're going to be spending much more time at home. If you live in New York, your kids are out of school for the rest of the school year and there is no day camp for the most part. So you will be with these kids essentially until September. So invest in things that will make the home more comfortable. Spend money on little things that will make it more comfortable. If you're going to be working from home and you feel like you don't have a good proper chair, invest in the office chair, get a desk. Get things that will allow you to work more comfortably from home. Get things that will make your home more comfortable. If you feel like, you know, you're going to be there, you want, you know, I don't know what those things would be for you. For me, you know, I, I want to do my yard I, since I'm looking at it every day. Every time I try to go outside and get some air. So I'm going to go to Home Depot and get some mulch and stuff and really do my yard. Um, and, you know, I'm going to change the curtains in my bedroom because I just feel like I want to have a little bit more flair in the bed in my bedroom to give me some more color. You know, just little things because I'm going to be here, you know, and luckily for me, Auntie Oprah always said this and I always listen to it. That your home is your sanctuary and you have to feel the most comfortable here. And over the last three years, I have invested every extra money I had. I have spent on improving my home. I redid my entire bedroom, got all new bedroom furniture. I, you know, because I felt like my bedroom needs to reflect a peaceful place for myself so I could sleep and, 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 and relax. I redid my kitchen. The best thing I ever did. I love my kitchen. A lot of hard work, terrible time going through construction, but it was really worth it. Love, love, love my new kitchen. Um, and so things like that, you know, I, I got, you know, different types of furniture, just little things. I did my dining room, places where I can feel comfortable. And I don't have to be in here. If there was something in here I hate, which there still is, the bathroom, I want to do the bathroom over. I don't hate it as much as I hated the kitchen, but I want to do the bathroom over. Like those things, you know, you want to feel comfortable in your house. So do what you have to do to make sure you can feel comfortable here because you're going to be here for a while for people. Um, and, and, and for your kids, the same thing. Anything that you can do to invest and make them feel more comfortable, this is the time to do that. But I say all this to say, and I knew this was heavy, going to be a heavy kind of podcast, is that 
this is gonna be a long haul thing. We're in this for the long haul. You know, like I said, the last recession that we had, the Great Recession, technically lasted 18 months, but really technically lasted a decade. It was a good 10 solid years before people really, before things really fully improved to the point where um, you could see consistent prosperity um, happening, um, consistently low unemployment, consistently um, um, higher wages, not really. That's one thing that sucks about this country is that no matter what, wages really just are stagnant and that really sucks because everything else, the cost of everything else is going up. But this is an important time for you to prepare. You know, we most people weren't paying attention. That's why it's, it's a little bit different. And when recessions begin to be slow, the only people who are paying attention are people who pay attention to economics and finances and forecasts. Those people are paying attention. But the average American is not paying attention until, boom, it's like, holy shit, we're in a recession. Now, everyone's paying attention. So this is your opportunity to get prepared. So take this opportunity and get prepared. Saving and paying down debt should be the only focus you have right now. And now I'm going to be pushy about it. Make a goal, set a goal for that savings. You need to have months worth of your expenses saved at this point. Get to it. Having a thousand dollars in your savings right now is not going to do anything for you right now. You need to be pushing the limit on getting as much into your savings as you can, because this is going to be long and hard. And it's going to impact everyone. No one is going to be exempt from this. And so you want to be able to, to figure out a way to make it so that you can move through this difficult point without as much stress. Listen, what's coming, if you're going to, the, the unemployment is coming. You know, some people are working from home now, but their jobs are going to be eliminated. You have to have those conversations about the possibility that that could be you. Understand that while people are going to struggle to pay bills and pay people, what you're going to see is that people will see reductions in their salary without a reduction in work. Your job will offer you to do the same job you're doing right now for 20 to 30% less pay. And sometimes in some instances, you have to take that. That will be a big change to your life. You're going to see if you're someone who, who relied upon bonuses and, um, and, and, and profit sharing for your company, forget about it. It's not going to be there for a long time. So you may be someone who was commission-based or, or, or not commission-based, but you earned your money based on um, commissions. You earned a lot of your money on that. You can forget that. It's going to be gone and gone for a while, no matter what industry you're in, because every industry is going to be hit by this. So know that, you know, this is going to change and alter all of our lives, just like the last recession did. Some people got hit harder than others, but everyone gets touched. So right, right now, while we're all on pause, get to that saving and paying down debt. It should be your priority Pay down the debt because the debt will hang over your head. And don't give me that crap about how big the debt is or how much it is and you can't get, no, pay down something. Always give yourself the small wins, get to the bottom, the, the smallest debt with the highest interest rate, pay it off and just keep going like that. Store credit cards, get rid of them, pay them, pay them, pay them off, pay them off. And again, if you don't have any money, to, what, do you, what does it matter if at the end you don't have any extra money? You don't need any extra money. Where are you going? What are you doing? Nothing, nothing. If you're still working, you're still employed, you're still bringing money in, pay your bills and then get to saving and paying down that debt. That's what you need. That's going to be my message every episode going forward until we have something else to talk about. Okay. Um, I want to see us prosper in this. I want to see us get through this. If you have time, which maybe you do, do a little research on what happened through the Great Recession. See, and if, again, maybe you don't remember, but what happened, how long it took 
for things to get to where they are now or where they were prior to this. And that was under a different type of leadership. You don't know what leadership we're going to be facing after November. And so it's important because it can go, it can, it can get better or it can get exponentially worse. So do that, do your research. Um, I know this was a long episode. I know this was a little heavy, but sometimes it has to be that way. And um, I saved, I gave my rant in the beginning, so I don't have to give it in the end, but get information, factual information <clears throat> from a trusted source of information, a person with credentials, credentials matter. I know this, the now the society doesn't want to make it like it doesn't. Anybody has, because everyone has access to a platform because everyone has a phone. So people can just get on and make videos and say things and just stop just credentials. People need credentials. Qualify people. Make people qualify who they are to tell you something that you're going to go ahead and believe, especially since you're too lazy to go and get the information yourself. Make a person who gives you the information qualify themselves so that at least you can know the source you're using is a trusted source. Um, I say all that to say, we're in for it, folks. And I want us to do better and be okay through it. So savings, 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 and paying down debt is what we need to focus on. And um, if you have any questions for me, send me an email, send me a DM. I'm on um, social media at um, uh, on IG as Financial Emancipation. Um, and so go ahead, send me a DM. Let's talk about this. I'm going to be trying to do some lives when I have time. I want to do some videos. I want to talk more to people. And um and get on some Zoom calls and stuff and just I want to hear people where what where are you guys at? Cause now I want to hear where are you guys at so I know that what I'm talking about. If I could if I'm reaching out to you, I'm reaching you. I want to know that. So thank you for so much for listening today. I know it was long, but thank you for listening today. And if you have any questions for me again, reach out to me. I'm here. Um and I I want all of us to get free so that we don't have to be so heavily bogged down when these things that we know are gonna happen. We don't know when, we don't know how, but we know the crisis is going to come. The crisis is here. Now the question is, what do we do? We push through and we make it. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.